Welcome to Christ and Culture, the podcast of the L. Russ Bush Center for Faith and Culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Here we'll explore how the Christian faith intersects all avenues of today's culture through conversations with leading thinkers. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christ and Culture podcast. I'm Dr. Ken Keithley, and today we're speaking with Hannah and Nathan Anderson, author and illustrator, respectively, of Turning of Days, Lessons from Nature, Season, and Spirit. Hannah and Nathan reside in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, where Hannah spends her days writing and reading and caring for her family. The author of multiple books, Hannah also co-hosts Persuasion Podcast, where she hopes to spur good conversation about all that's true, good, and beautiful. Nathan is an illustrator, and he's also an ordained minister who holds master's degrees in theology and in leadership. He has served as a pastor in New Zealand, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, and currently works at the Taubman Museum of Art. A native of rural Southwest Virginia, he is most at home walking in the woods, working in his garden, or birding with the Roanoke Valley Bird Club. Thank you both for joining us today to discuss your book. Well, thanks for having us. We're really glad to have this time with you. Um, we, uh, I, I was really, glad whenever we found out that we were going to be able to provide a copy of your book, Turning of Days, uh, for our conference uh, that was on uh, the goodness of creation and moral responsibility. Why do you think your book fits so well with a conference of that type? Well, I'm going to jump in uh, first to answer that. One of the things that we so enjoyed about the conference is it established a uh, theological framework for a lot of the conversations about how we steward the earth, how we relate to it. And part of what we wanted to do with uh, Turning in Days is to provide maybe the um, a, a partner to that theological conversation, which is the spiritual formation aspect or an aspect of cultivating a certain way of seeing the world, of observing the world that paired with the theological um, basis. So this was more of a practical theology of engaging um, with the natural world around us. And I think what we had hoped came through was our own um, affection and a conversation with the natural world around us. And I think Nathan's drawings do that, um, of course, with my writing. That's what we're attempting to model for folks. So we felt like it was a partnership or a pairing with the other conversations that were happening. Yeah, and I think that you guys provided the mental, theological, rigorous study of it. And we came along and said, this is how you love it. And I think those two paired together, they actually need each other. Um, and I think they were a great pairing. I do too. And you're, you, you make the important point about needing each other, that one without the other is something out of balance. And so I really was, like I said, thrilled that we were able to do this. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, your journeys, the journey of faith and, and, and uh, also the journey 
to these particular vocations? Uh, who wants to start? Uh, I'll go, go ahead first. and jump in there. I think one of the things that I grew up um, in a very rural setting, um, the county, the whole county I grew up in had one stoplight and we lived on a dirt road. And so part of this book and, and really the illustrations and the art and really faith um, all came out of a space that was very much immersed in uh, in nature, in the natural world. I mean, my dad was a forester for the state of Virginia. And so, I mean, we we grew up immersed in the natural world. And, and we, I grew up in a Christian home. And so the pairing of kind of specific revelation and, and general revelation was just very natural mm -hmm. to me. It wasn't something that I had to be taught in seminary or, I mean, I could go and see God's handiwork and the creation and his power and glory and beauty and simplicity and complexity, all those attributes just just by playing in the as a kid in the woods. Mm -hmm. And so that was really formative for me. And then as I pursued uh, the ministry, it was it's always something that's been part of um, my, my my how I navigate the church. I remember preaching through a series on the birds for my congregation and mm -hmm. Uh, just birds out of the Bible and lessons you can learn from birds. And it was so well received. And I think it was well received just because everybody sees birds all the time. And, and it's, it was nice to give them, okay, you see these creatures, how can you draw spiritual lessons or how can you think about God through the natural world? Um, and so that's kind of what has led me here. Mm -hmm. Hannah can attest to herself. And truthfully, as we look back over God's providence in our life, um, the two things that we both share and that God used to bring us together was um, a background within the natural world. I grew up in a similar space to Nathan, not geographically in the same location, but similar rhythms, similar habits. My um, family had a small homestead, you know, 10 acres of land. Um, but Where I also, are we talking about? Are we talking um, about Virginia or what South are we talking about? I grew up uh, in Southwest Virginia, mm -hmm. here in the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, and Hannah grew up outside of Pittsburgh, but it was still the same Appalachian Mountains, right. kind of between Morgantown and uh, Pittsburgh. Right. So directly north in the same kind of mountain range. Um, okay. But I also grew up in a Christian home, and when we met, I remember we met in um, college at a Christian university, and so there were lots of people who shared the um, spiritual context, even the desire um, to know God or even to pursue ministry. Um, but the thing that tipped it over for us to connect and eventually be married was that we both had this uh, language and lexicon of the natural world. So these two um, shaping influences that for us, um, God, you know, providentially allowed to overlap was a deep rootedness in the scripture at the same time that we had a deep rootedness within the natural world. And that brought us together in many ways. And we kind of understood categories. We spoke the same language. We, yeah. we spoke the same language. And then it, but it took us a while to realize that this was perhaps um, not a commonly experienced thing to have this layering, this layering of general revelation and specific revelation um, on top of each other in our own kind of shaping forces. It took us a while to understand what a gift that was. 
And so what um, readers read in this book is really not just our particular affections so much as the way we were shaped and formed even from childhood. And that's ultimately why we dedicated it to our parents because we believe that the choices that they made um, have resulted not just in our marriage, but in our vocation and in our ability to, to carry this conversation forward. So uh, each of you have a particular skill set. Uh, it, it, you know, Hannah, you're a writer. Uh, Nathan, I, I appreciate your illustrations. How, how did you, when did you come to recognize that you had those particular skill sets? How were they developed? Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, um, my family were all involved in the arts of some kind. Um, both my parents did more hand art, like my dad did um, woodworking and my mom did all of the fabric arts, uh, quilting, cross-stitching, all those kind of things. And, and then my sister is a graphic designist, so it's kind of in our family. I would say also the community that we grew up in, I went to public school and the public school where we grew up had a fantastic art program. Like I took art like all the way, all the way through high school and several different um, art classes. And, and so I, I really, in the acknowledgements, I acknowledge that public school was really formative to my art, um, taking some of the talent that I had and kind of developing it. I took a couple art classes in college, but as you know, adults, I'm pastoring, we're raising kids, you know, I, I just didn't have time to give to it as I would like to have. And so when this project came open and she approached Moody and said, hey, my husband's an artist. Can, can we work together? They're like, well, can we see his stuff first? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they, I do appreciate them taking kind of a, a risk with, you know, an, an unknown. I've never been published before. And and uh, so it was a, a good opportunity for us to like carve out the time and say, okay, we've got to do this. We, we have a deadline. We have to sit down and do this. And so I think that was really helpful uh, to actually let the art come out. Yeah. My favorite thing about Nathan's process and path toward illustration is that his family and friends have remarked, oh, I didn't know he did this. And mm -hmm. he's a bit of a dark horse that way where I've seen it and I've known him. Um, and watched it happen in private places, um, but he hasn't had the opportunity to share it more broadly. And so it's been fun to have even family be like, oh, I didn't know you did this. Um, feels like a special secret yeah. that I have. Um, so, But for me, it's interesting because I didn't have the same cultivation that Nathan did in writing that he experienced in his childhood. So he, he had um, kind of artistic training in high school that maybe kind of went underground for a little bit and is now reemerging. I did not even consider writing um, until I was in my late thirties. I mean, my early thirties, let me, let me say that right. <laughs> my early thirties, um, right around 30, 32, right in that window when my youngest was about two years old. And um, I realized that my life, the season of life was kind of changing and I needed to give consideration to my particular gifts, what I was called to do specifically, contribute to the church, to the world at large. And so that's probably been the last 10 years. And so for me, um, writing has come as somewhat of a surprise because I really didn't um, 
chart that path to that. But in the process of God unfolding that vocation, giving opportunity, stepping into those opportunities in faith, he's also confirmed that everything that came before um, was, laid the groundwork. was laying the groundwork for that. And so if there's anything we've learned about vocational development is that you have to trust providences in play. You have to trust that the kind of trajectory that the world gives us of this straight line may not in any way be what plays out in your life, but that there are gifts that the spirit gives and there are places and times of development and he's, he's going to cultivate that and you are participating with that. And it's just been a fun journey to see it. It's been as much of a surprise to us in some ways as it is to everyone else around us. That is fascinating. Uh, so Hannah, are you saying that, did you do journaling? You know, were there th certain things that you were doing prior to, to uh, uh, you know, vocational writing? Or is, are you, you're, you're not saying this is something that just sort of sprung up, are you? Are, how, how did- uh... <laughs> Right, no, that's a, good, that's a good question. My interests and my capacities have always run along these lines. But the idea of writing or communicating through books or being an author never occurred to me. So I've always been interested in. She's really smart and she's read like voraciously as a child. And so it's just natural that you put all that stuff in, it's going to come out somehow. Yeah. yeah. So it really helps that she's really smart. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. yeah. It does. <laughs> and I remember like, like Nathan said, read a lot. I, I studied um, the humanities. So it was history, philosophy, theology, you know, all of these things that eventually emerged and, and you know, fruited, gave, brought fruit in writing. And so I tap into all of those resources. Um, but the thought that, oh, I could write never occurred to me until my early 30s. And mm. I have no idea why, except I'm oblivious, maybe. <laughs> Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about your writing. Um, what was the inspiration for Turning of Days? It, it's a very, it's a very personal book. It's very, very first person. Um, so, what led you to 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 the book and to the unique formatting that you used? Southeastern believes it is important to support women as theologians and to equip them for service wherever their calling takes them. If God has called you to the ministry in the church, the academy, or at the home, Southeastern Seminary wants to equip you with the tools you need to fulfill your calling. With almost every degree available online, you can get equipped wherever you are today for wherever you're called in the future by visiting sebts.edu. Use the waiver code CHRISTANDCULTURE all caps, no spaces, and Southeastern will waive your application fee. Well, the initial uh, nudge in this direction was a book that I published in 2016 called Humble Roots. And in that book, I was trying to get to the problem um, that a lot of, I found a lot of women and pastors <laughs> face, which is anxiety and restlessness within their good work. This is not um, 
bad work or you're, you're, you need to reinvent your life. This is, you're doing good work and yet you're overwhelmed and you're anxious within it. And um, I was really tapping into the spaces um, in Matthew 11, 28 through 29, where Jesus says, come to me, all who labor. And so it was an exploration of humility um, and um, anxiety at that cross section. And I had used the larger frame of uh, botanical imagery and kind of gardening and and the, the natural world as the overarching metaphor for this conversation. And folks loved the book and responded really well to it. But the thing I couldn't get over is they they were talking almost more about the, the illustration than they were about even the theology I was trying to write about. And um, I had writers saying, I planted tomatoes this year, or I bought an apple tree and I put it in my backyard. And I realized that there was something that this, this was hitting for folks, that there was this deep poverty um, within their experience of the natural world and of creation and, and God's um, sovereignty over that. And so I knew we needed to circle around. And as we did that, I just began to think about our own experience of how we engage nature. And it's not something that you just sit down and think about. It's something that you actually every day go out into. And there's this kind of rhythm and habit of you are existing within um, the natural world that is day unto day uttering things about God. And you know, that's how um, the psalmist puts it in Psalm 19, that day unto day, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. So it became very important to me to think in terms of establishing habits and rhythms. And so that led to this kind of structure of shorter essays that you, are not intended to be read straight through, but that you would pick up day on today, day on today, and kind of model that habit of encountering God over and over and over again within his creation. Well, in your book, you, um, you talk about the paradox of God's revelation. Would you want to expound on that just a little bit more? Tell us, um, tell, your, tell, tell our listeners who perhaps haven't had a chance to read the book yet, what, what did you have in mind? How, how would you explain that? Well, I think there's um, a couple of paradoxes in play that hinge on each other. The first, of course, is that God has chosen to reveal himself through his word, through specific revelation, and he teaches us truths and, and clearly delineated things about himself within the scripture. And yet that very same scripture also tells us explicitly that God reveals himself within um, the creation, within the natural world. You know, we see this in Psalm 19, that the heavens are declaring the glory of God. We see it in Romans 1 Job. and in Job that, um, you know, go speak to the animals and they will tell you. And Paul in Romans 1 says, you know things about God. His attributes are clearly seen, therefore we're, we're without excuse. So, so this first paradox that we have to grapple with is that God has chosen to reveal himself in things that seem at odds, something that is using words and ideas and clear, explicit revelation, and something in the creation, in the, in the natural world, that is less, it's not using words. Um, and again, that's what Psalm 19 says. They, they tell things about God without language, without speech. And so the challenge for us is to find um, the way to honor 
both of these. And I think what the temptation is to do is to choose one over the other in the sense of I'm only going to, you know, some folks will be like, I'm going to only listen to nature. That's where my truth is found. You know, I'll, I'll go out on the mountaintop instead of going into the sanctuary where the, where the truth is being expounded through the written word. And the challenge I think we have to come to is to understand that God has chosen to reveal himself in both of these ways. And we must honor them for what they are. They are not interchangeable. You cannot learn things from nature that only scripture can teach you. And and I think that is also a challenge for those of us who hold um, so deeply to um, the word of God, the Bible, is to understand that that these are not interchangeable things. And we must um, encounter them and understand them and interpret them for what God has given them to do and not ask them to do something else. So what I hear you saying, and, and, and you said it so very well, is that we're, we're struggling with um, the two books metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's sometimes it's difficult to remember that one of them really is a book and the other one isn't a, literally a book. And then we have uh, the, the struggle of, of the, or maybe the scandal of particularity. And it's the one and the many, how God reveals himself to the one and yet there is this general revelation that is to all how do we relate the two that does do respect and honor to both and 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 i i think uh, i get that 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 you said it so very well let's go back to some of the practical things nathan uh, can you share with us about your your uh your art style i mean what did the process look like for providing the illustrations for hannah's writing and what influenced your artistic decisions? Yeah. Uh, well, if you walk into an art museum or study art, you know there's all kinds of different styles of art. You know, there's impressionistic art, there's modernism, and there's there's so many different ways to communicate through art. When when one of the things that I really like about art is focusing on detail. I'm, you know, that's just kind of how I'm wired as a person, and so I'm, you know, very detail oriented. And so when you come to nature, you can paint like impressionistic, like Monet's gardens and, you know, the water lilies, and it's very impressionistic, it's light and color, but you don't see, and that's beautiful and it's communicating something, but you don't see like the detail of the water lily or the flower, or, you know, don't see the detail of the, the intricacy of, of the object. And so what what I'm wired to is noticing detail. And so that comes out through a different kind of art and particularly a pencil or a pen, because uh, you can get very fine, you know, you, I guess you could do that with brushes too, but uh, the pencil. And, and so when we were talking about this book, one of the things that uh, just kind of came natural was these, these pencil drawings. And also we wanted this book to be a tool that people could say, okay, we don't want you just to sit inside and, and read it inside. We want you to go outside. So, so get yourself a nature journal or even we, we want you to be able to draw. You know, so some of the illustrations I hope can inspire people who may think they, they don't have never tried to draw before, but they could just go out with a pencil and you know just notice some things and just put it on a piece of paper as they kind of interact with nature and i think the 
the different ways we interact with um, the natural world is how we learn, right? So we can see and smell and taste and hear and and part of that, you know, drawing is, is, is focusing, getting people to focus on things. I also wanted, so I wanted to, do, to be accessible for folks to say, okay, I can try that. And I can, you know, have a little nature journal and go out into the woods and kind of experience, or my backyard or my patio or wherever you, whatever part of the woods that you are part of the natural world you can be in and just interact that way. Um, and also I wanted to draw people's attention to the details, like particularly some of the flowers and uh, some of the um, particular ones that are very detail oriented. If you stop and look at the detail of some of God's creation, it's fascinating. Like it, it's absolutely breathtaking um, to notice some of those the, those intricacies. Um, so that's part of the the how the style came about to match the book. So you're a pastor and an artist. So what advice would you give to a Christian artist? Uh, and what advice would you give to those who are seeking to minister to artists? I, th I think that churches need to celebrate the arts more. Uh, and that comes from both the pastors and, and the people who are doing the artists. So when we, just as an illustration, when we, when I stepped out of ministry in 2019, we explored, we went to a lot of different churches, just kind of experiencing them. It's fascinating what, how people actually design their buildings. Um, there are so many churches that I've been into that are just flat out ugly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you said design their buildings or did not design or, them right, at all. Yes, or didn't yeah. design them at all. Yes. Yeah. I, I need yeah. to step in right now. And I need to tell the world <laughs> that if Nathan ever becomes a heretic, it will be because I want to worship in a pretty place in a, of architecture. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I think as, you know, we're Baptist and we understand and emphasize that that the the church uh, are the individuals, the people, right. the regenerate church membership. And we really want to emphasize that. And and we 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 have a very utilitarian uh, mindset that that it that we're trying to to get get stretch those dollars as far as we can so that we can reach as many as we can. And, and I understand, I understand the motivation and it, but it doesn't change the fact that, that our architecture is saying something. And sometimes it's saying things that we perhaps rather it not say. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, and I, I have to, yeah, like I said, we all have to be very careful here uh, because, um, you know, it, it, we're, you know, God help me, uh, the, the church that I worship in, uh, and, and I love, I love my congregation, and I love my pastor, but we worship in a Kleenex box. I mean, it's just a square box, and, and I just think, I, or a rectangular box, and I just think, oh, goodness, surely there's somewhere in between yeah. cathedrals uh, and a renovated Walmart, uh, somewhere in between there, uh, there's an aesthetic we can aspire to. Yeah, I, I jumped in there because I was agreeing with you. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that whole mindset, like it is, it is finding it is finding a balance between you know, money, practicality. You know, there's there we do have limits, but God is a God of beauty, and 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 there needs to be a conversation about do we have a budget for arts? Do we can we can we commission pieces? Are there artists in our congregation? Can we celebrate them? You know. Uh, being an artist is 
almost, I, I haven't really thought this through, so I am shooting from the hip. <laughs> it's almost like a prophet saying, hey, you need to look at this. You need to pay attention. You need to pay attention to uh, to this 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 thing or this idea, this this in nature or, you know, there's so many things that you can communicate through art. Also, um, Hannah and I have worked in, um, we have ministered in like white working class neighborhoods and not neighborhoods, like communities. So many of those people do not naturally find themselves reading for pleasure or Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. They, They would never pick up a book of any kind, not, not even, you know, not just saying they, you know, don't read their Bible or whatever. They, they don't interact with words like some, you know, like pastors do, or, you know, you know, academics. Mm-hmm. And so we have to reach them and communicate with them a little differently. Obviously we do want them to, you know, be in, engaged with the scripture. But if you think about Jesus ministering in a working class neighborhood or working class community, he did both nature and art, like nature and beauty. Hey, consider the lilies. Hey, we're out here. I'm, I'm teaching you about the about God and then teaching you about myself. And hey, look at these flowers that you're sitting next to. Um, you know, they didn't have their their Bibles to whip out of their pockets. But, um, you know, are there cell phones or there's uh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah whipping, whipping out of the cell phone. Um, and, and I think one thing we've also discovered at this intersection of our own personal vocations and socioeconomics is that um, folk art, there has been this impulse. Um, People created in the image of a creative God are going to create. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times we think of art as this high concept art, or it's something that happens among the elite or where there's money. And and Mm -hmm. there is a sense that money allows for the time and space to be dedicated to the the kind of work and rhythms that make art possible. But we have discovered as well that you're going to find all kinds of creative expression wherever you are. And and to be able to identify it, if you're a pastor, to be able to identify it, affirm it, cultivate it, encourage it within your people, um, and, and to teach them this is something that is coming from your image bearing, you know, to use it as a way to cultivate disciples who take every aspect of their life and commit it um, to God's work and into Jesus as King. So I think it's also maybe just establishing the categories to say art is going to happen. You need to find and cultivate and encourage it. Yeah. So is that the tagline for this? Art happens. <laughs> art happens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, speaking of art happening, uh, what are you currently studying or working on? Tell us about what you're currently doing. Well, we're actually hoping to follow up um, turning of days with some other resources for people. Um, we're currently brainstorming about maybe creating a guided um, nature journal. Um, to help them take that next step. But another project we would like to do is to come and backfill the theology at a lay level to perhaps uh, write curriculum or study for um, this is what the scripture is saying about the natural world. Um, As you mentioned earlier, turning of days is very personal and it is very experience heavy. So it is not a biblical or theological um, argument for general revelation. But I think there's also a really necessary conversation 
there, especially at the lay level. So, so taking some of the, the work that happened perhaps in the conference and saying, how would you translate this to a Sunday school class or to people, to a small group, to a small group who, who need to know what the scripture teaches about the world around them and not even um, an argument for stewardship or to get into the conservation wars or even um, to make some kind of apologetic, but to say this is what, how you need to relate to the revelation of God um, within the natural world around you. So those are some things on the horizon for us that we're hoping to develop over the next few months. Um, And you just squeezing in time to draw. Yeah, just being outside and, you know, right now and it's spring and so I'm working on my gardens and, you know, trying to get my vegetable garden started and so doing a lot of outside stuff. We have been talking with Hannah and Nathan Anderson about their book, Turning of Days, Lessons from Nature, Season, and Spirit. Pick up a copy. I think you'll be blessed and glad that you did. This is the Christ and Culture podcast, uh, and we're signing off, uh, wishing you a great day.